Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about this idea. Do you really believe what you say you believe? And if you did believe it, what implications would it have for your life? Yeah. Are you acting the way that you should act if you believed these? Are you living your life um, attitudinally, hopefully, um, in accordance (laughs) with, in alignment with Uh what you say you believe? Is your understanding of the world <laughs> what you say it Does is? Does the word faith really mean what you think it means? Yeah. I think it's going to be a great conversation. Yes. And uh, if that didn't sell you, please hang on because uh, it, it gets a lot better than that. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you hear any funny noises, uh, we have a dog in the studio, our guest, Patches. Patches is our guest today. Patches is a beautiful pit bull that belongs to my granddaughter, and I am dog-sitting. Yeah, there's a picture of her on Instagram. If you're curious, she's very cute and very annoying. And, yeah, and you, behind yeah. the mic, she's uh yeah, yeah. Okay, it is first before all that. It is story <laughs> or joke time, and it is your turn. Yeah, I started a couple episodes ago. Uh, by the way, this is episode forty. That's kind of cool. Yeah, forty. Forty episodes. Forty weeks of doing this. So uh, I think episode thirty-eight. I was telling a story. I was starting to tell a story, and then I got. Uh, because you asked a question, thought I was telling a different story. I decided to tell the story you thought right, I was going to tell. Right. And I thought you were going to forget this story. but Yeah, you know. so I thought, well, I'll, t- I'll tell it this time. So uh, I'm 15 years old. I've had enough of working at Dairy Queen and Jack in the Box. I'm done with food service, really. Mm-hmm. And you I decide. that crazy drug dealer moment. Yeah, and I decide I'm going to go to the mall because wouldn't it be nice to work somewhere where you get to, you know, be clean, don't get your hands dirty, don't have to deal with grease, french fries, and yeah. all of that. So uh, so I go to the mall, <clears throat> and I'm 15, so my mom actually drops me at the mall. <laughs> sure. And I'm going to just work the mall, going store to store to store, just popping my head in, seeing who's hiring. You know, there's not any help wanted signs. If I saw any of those, I would pop in, but there's just really not any. And so um, I go into this, and, and to set the picture, I'm, I'm really bad at this. I, I've never done it before. <laughs> so I've got on jeans. I've got on a flannel shirt with a, a, a hole in one of the sleeves where Uh-oh. I had hooked it on a nail. And it pulled this little L-shaped hole into that sleeve. <laughs> so I look like a guy who's ready to interview. Well, I was going to say I'm impressed that you even did this in the first place. But yeah. but I guess I'm not. Well, I mean, it, it it was terrifying. Okay. Well, so you, were, you were 15, you said? 15 years old. That's pretty young. Yeah. And I just thought I'll just work them all. I, I, I mean, I, my dad required that I have a job. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do the jobs I had been doing. So I go into this shoe store named Copeland's Shoes. It Copeland's. Was, yep. This Mr. Copeland had uh, four locations in the Dallas area, kind of a, a small business. And uh, I checked other places. I'd actually, uh, I did check one food service place. I went to El Chico's. Nice. Um, and then. I thought you were done. You were done with I the I was, but I thought, you know, I got to put a lot of hooks in the water to catch a fish. So <laughs> sure. anyway, I go into Copeland's Shoes and there's this guy behind the counter. And I said, this, this was my brilliant uh, lead. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, you're not hiring anybody, are you? <laughs> I and said, he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, uh, you don't have any job openings, do you? And are, did you consider yourself pretty smooth at this no, time? No, okay. I knew that I was dorking around. I mean, I'm, and here's the thing. He felt so sorry for me. He's like, you know what? 
I think I might. Come on with me. Is this Copeland? No. This guy, was his name was Dana. He was the store manager of that store. And uh, he became ended up becoming a really good friend. He was a, nice. He, he was a you know I've always had the gift of these men who have contributed to my life. So Dana was not a man of faith, but he was a good man. Anyway, so he says, "Come on the back with me." So he's we go back there, and he starts walking me around the the warehouse portion of the store, showing me how shoes are stocked and everything. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I actually need a stock person who who can come back, you know, because they got deliveries of shoes all the time, and come back, take them out of the box." Uh, organize the shelves. I would do that job for 20 hours before I did the front sales job for 10. Well, I wasn't looking for a sales job. Okay, I thought you were. No, I was looking for a job. Gotcha. And he kind of, he kind of, uh, you know, read the... <laughs> sure. <laughs> he kind of, saw the hole in the yeah, shirt. He, was like, I yeah, he's like, I, I think I have something, I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the job just for right. you. So uh, I'm like, awesome. So I start uh, working at the shoe store and about 20 hours a week and I'd go in there in the evenings. I'd go in on Saturday and I'm just Un, uncrating boxes and it's a lot of hours for a high schooler yeah and, and during school i mean in the summer you know whatever but right right yeah anyway so uh one saturday the place is crawling with customers and there's not enough salesmen to serve them all no and he comes back there and he says jim on the sales floor now and i'm like what and i'm again i'm in a flannel shirt and jeans because i'm a stock boy mm-hmm I said, I said, hey, I've never sold a thing in my life. He said, get out there now. Just ask people what they want. Try them on. Take you care of them. You out there and you say, I'm stock boy Jim. How can I help you? <laughs> I ended up selling like $1,000 worth of shoes that day. Whoa. And um, they paid commission. Did you get, you get your check? I or? got 9%. So I made 90 bucks. In one day. In one day. And so he's like. On top of your your paycheck. Yeah. And so this he, is in 19. Yeah, 1970. Eight. That's a wad of cash. That's yeah. a lot of 1977, money. actually. 1977. Anyway, so he says, uh, that's it. You're not staying in the stock room anymore. You're going to come out and do sales. And so I started selling shoes. So I sold shoes all through high school. And, man, I would make I would make $150, $200 every Saturday. And I would make, you know, I only work nights. So I only worked the times when the mall was full. Sure. And uh, oh, holy moly, man. It really that's when stock well, stock boy Jim died and salesman Jim was born. That's right. And I got to dress up. So I'd wear slacks and, you know, dress shirts. And I started wearing those to school because I'd go to work. Oh, from school. Well, now you're a, now you're a yuppie. So that I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, now you're a yuppie. yuppie. Yuppie wasn't a thing yet. My, my I wore these slacks <laughs> called angel flights <laughs> and uh, they were really tight in the butt. And oh big bell bottoms at the bottom. If you ever saw the movie with John Travolta, you know, staying alive or whatever, the Saturday uh, Night Fever. Yes, yeah. I, the, he wore angel flights in that movie. Oh my word! And so that's what I was wearing. <laughs> to, to, <laughs> and I had this big kind of afro thing going, and yeah, it was something. I would pay a lot of money <laughs> to, see, to see a picture of you. In fact, in my shoe selling career, uh, my senior year of high school on a Saturday morning. Now mm-hmm. I'm working for a shoe store called Johnson and Murphy's. It's men's only. You left Dana. I did. Well, he left before I did. Okay. Uh, and anyway, I, I go to work for Copeland uh, for uh, Johnson Murphy at a brand new mall in the Dallas area. And is this a small company too? No, it's nationwide. They are one of the best men's shoemakers in the world. Gotcha. I was gonna. I was shocked that this other one was even a small chain to begin with. You don't yeah. see a whole lot of small shoe retailers. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, one Saturday morning, the store opens at at ten, and by ten thirty, I had already made one hundred and fifty dollars. What in the world? I sold this guy. Comes in in overalls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's wearing pinstripe overalls. This old guy. He's, he's like seventy five, 
And he's got this beautiful young girl with him who I thought was his daughter at first. Is that like a train conductor overalls? Yes, exactly like that. (laughs) And so he asked me, I'm like, oh, man, what's this guy? Because our shoes were really expensive. Yeah. And I'm thinking, this guy's going to waste my time. He wants to look at these crocodile boots. We had these crocodile boots that were $750 a pair. Oh, my goodness. And he says, uh, he says, oh, I like these boots. What? And he says to this girl, uh, what do you think, baby, about these boots? I realized that's not his daughter. And <laughs> he realized Farmer Joe couldn't have a young lady like this hanging around him. And she says, oh, baby, I love those boots. She said, I'll tell you what, I'll buy those boots for you if you buy these kid skin boots for me. <laughs> well, actually, before that, he says he's he's looking at the croc boots. And I'm at, still at this point, I'm thinking he's wasting my right. time early yeah. on. And he asked for if I have those boots in his size. And I'm like, oh, I'm walking in the back going, please don't have them. Please don't have them. Because I thought he's going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. And I uh, had his size, so I bring them out. I slide those on him, and he's walking around. He says, baby, these are awesome. She says, will you buy those for me, and then I'll buy these kid skin boots for you. They were $180 a pair. I said, I'll be right back. When I sat down to put the boots on him, uh, this is hilarious. I'm wearing a suit, mm-hmm. and when I pull up my little stool and I squat to set to put this boot on him, there's a rip right up <laughs> right up the seat of my suit. And I pop up, and, you know, and he says, boy, nobody cares. Put those boots on me. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit down, you know. And I put these boots on him, and he's loving them. And then while I'm putting the boots on, I look down, and I see his watch is this big gold nugget watch, and he's got matching gold nugget rings. And I thought, this might be something. Like an oil magnate or something. Anyway, he buys the Croc boots. He buys the kid skin boots. And then I tell him we had these cashmere socks that were $16 a pair. I said, you need some of these to go with that. So I sell him like five pairs of those. Pays me in cash, rolls out a bunch of $100 bills. And I literally had been at work 30 minutes, made 150 bucks. So I told my boss, I'm taking a break. <laughs> and I had friends working at shoe stores all around the mall. And so, you know, I'd go, I went over there. Dougal was working at one of the stores. He's working at the Hush Puppy store. I imagine he's just as good a salesman oh, as you are. Yeah. And uh, I said, how much you got? What do you mean? It's 1030. I said, I'm already up 1500. I go to my buddy, Steve over at the, uh, at the women's shoe store. Mm-hmm. How much you got? I just got here. <laughs> I went to the food court, sat down, ate some donuts. I'm like living large because I already got 150 bucks in my pocket. That's crazy. It was a great day. My biggest tip I ended day, up making $550 that day. That's insane. Yeah. In that, 1978. That money, that's insane money. Yeah. My biggest tip day in 2019. So accounted for inflation, what, like, you know, however much it was in 1977 was, uh, I think, like 80 bucks. Mm. And I was sweating bullets all day. <laughs> it was pretty tough. It was yeah. at the the old hospital uh, yeah. location. So that's insane. Yeah. What'd w- you do with all that money? Oh, I was the best guy to go on a date with because <laughs> I would I would go on these ex- these just extravagant dinner dates, you know. And uh, so I'd do that. I played a lot of golf. I gave a lot of money away. I was really sure. generous. Um, yeah, but it was fun. I don't know what the culture was like in high school in texas in the 80s but or 70s well oh, that was uh, in the 80s in high school 80s yeah uh if you wore i graduated if you tucked in your shirt into your slacks in high school where i went to high school you're a dork you're a major dork oh so you would need a lot of cash to get dates if you wore that going to high school where i did well but. i'll tell you what i could just pull out my money clip and people <laughs> sure. say oh i guess he's not a dork yeah you know what so. you call the dork in high school when you're all adults successful boss boss (laughs) (laughs) what do you think made you such a good salesman uh i just like people and so i have fun but you didn't see it coming you you, you didn't didn't think you would have been good at it no i was really kind of introverted wallflower when i was in high school this was Mm -hmm. part of what brought me out 
and uh, had a lot of fun. So I, I one last little story. We're dragging this out too long, sure. so I hope this isn't wearing anybody out. I, I've only been street witness, witness to by a Christian. I wasn't a Christian yet when, mm-hmm. when I was working at Copeland's. And so uh, I get the only person who ever witnessed to me about Christ happened in the shoe store at Copeland's. It's a Saturday morning. It's pretty early. And mm-hmm. in come these four women. It looked, it was grandma, mom, and two daughters. So it's like all four of these women. Nice. So they wearing they, like bonnets and stuff? Or? No, no. Just the back lady is the old one. The, the other three look, everybody looks kind of normal. Sure. But I'm like, morning, ladies. How's it going? Great. We're just going to look around. Knock yourself out. Let me know if you need anything. They start, and then the, then grandma walks in. I said, morning. She looks at me and she says, do you know Jesus as your personal savior? And I I, I was shocked. <laughs> and I just kind of shook my head yes and ran back to the stock room. And I told Dana, I'm not going back out there till they're gone. You can handle this one. So he went out there and he came and got me when they were gone because I was like, it scared me to death. Huh. Well, there you go. It doesn't always work, folks. It's not effective. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we're talking about today uh, the with a, with a specific case study uh, of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, if you believe the miraculous, right? Yeah. If you believe that the miraculous actually occurred, yeah. Then what, what are the implications of what you should believe now? And, right. And do you, in fact, and how you plan for your life? How you, you know? Now, one little commercial before we do that, because sure. I, I want to talk about. I just want to remind people why we do what we do. And what we hope the outcome is. Yeah, episode 40, it's a, you know, it's a yeah, big deal. It's episode 40, and so just a refresher. Sure. And uh, we call this Father and Son Conversations about Discipleship and Culture. In the Pacific Northwest. In the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so John and I have been doing this uh, your whole life. You know, as soon as you were, you were having, you were having uh, really spellbinding conversations from the age of five. I doubt it. Oh, <laughs> I remember the first complicated question you ever asked me. What was that? Dad? Do fish fart? Oh, nice. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was great. We can have a whole episode about that. <laughs> episode 52. <laughs> anyway, uh, it occurred to us as we got to know more people, both me knowing more dads, you knowing more young men, that these conversations aren't exactly normal. They're not happening mm-hmm. all the time for people. Sure. And so we want to uh, encourage dads and sons and daughters um, that these are great conversations to have. So we want you to be able to participate in our conversations and hopefully then duplicate these conversations with the people you know and love and just to have meaningful talks. So that's what we're hoping to contribute. And I hope it works. Now, let's talk about this thing. You, yeah. you, you had this aha moment, I believe, in your kind of your one of these days just a week or so ago. And you and you brought up this thing. So tell me what. it yeah. was. So really, I've had this idea for a while that. um I have lots of hypotheses going on, you okay. know, just lots of lots of theories that may or may not be true. You know, just thinking when you're bored. And uh, this one was, which I'm pretty, you know, I'm I'm pretty convinced of most of my hypotheses. But th- you know, you're this, pretty convinced that almost all of them are correct. Yeah, because that's pretty impressive. Well, I mean, you know, I'm pretty ignorant. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that um, a person who believes in the that things that are uh, impossible quote-unquote happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that they happen semi-regularly they and believe that now yes uh, do, do you know many people like that who would say i think th- i think that semi-impossible things happen all the time well i think if you're a christian you do if you believe in the god of the bible god of abraham hmm so let me anyway okay that going. person uh basically lives 
on a in a different version of our world than someone who doesn't who says none of that is all that is either impossible or it doesn't happen anymore or however you want to say it um that everything that happens now can be explained and follows the laws that we have discovered or have, or or will discover right so what you're i want to make sure i understand what you're saying yeah. so if you are a believer in the god of the new testament then you believe that miraculous things did in fact occur and do in fact occur. Yeah. And therefore you live in a world that has lots more possibilities than yeah. someone who doesn't believe that. Exactly. And you believe that the guy who's pulling all those crazy strings that you can't even see mm-hmm. is in your court. And that's another He's big for thing. you. He's for you. Assuming, you know, all things considered. Okay. So uh, let me ask you this. What percentage of people in the church do you think believe that? Well, it, well, this is the big question, right? Okay. So if, if you're if you're there, right, you're in church, you're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, then you would probably check that box. You'd say, yeah, I believe in miracles. I believe that God does this. But are you budgeting for that? Are you planning? Are you factoring that into your life? Mm. And what really, so so the, the case that we were going to look at today, just as for fun, because when I read this, I was like, that is so crazy. And, I've, you know, we've all heard the story. It's when uh, it's a one simple story. So yeah. what we're going to say is with this one simple story. If this actually is true, if you believe yeah. this story actually happened, if you believe this is a part of history, then what else should you believe? Yeah, and this is, uh, I believe, it's the tax conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, the um, uh, Pharisees are asking Jesus to try and get him in trouble. He says, should we pay our taxes? No, that's not actually when it happened. I that's what think. I just said. Is it the tax conversation? No, I thought you meant, it. are we going to talk about the tax story? No, the the fish story. What's yeah. the, yeah, yeah, he said, pull it out and what's the face on it? Yeah, so, so, uh, I don't remember. Go ahead and talk about it. I'm going to look it up and make sure we get this right. All right. I'll use as little details as possible to show my ignorance <laughs> as little as possible. Basically, uh, Jesus says, hey, uh, go throw your reel out and and get a fish and look into its mouth and you'll find a coin and bring that coin to me. And he does. And there's a coin in the mouth of the fish and he brings it to Jesus. So just that insane little and in comparably to his other stuff that is a tiny miracle right yeah. that is small yeah. but if you if you think that that really happened if you believe that that uh that Jesus could provide you money from the mouth of a fish that's that's nuts that that automatically puts you in a different uh world of possibilities than than people who would say that that's impossible. Right. And what we want to do is push against that a little bit and see if that's actually true for us. Mm -hmm. So here's the actual story. This is uh, Matthew 17, starting in verse 24. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and said, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does. He replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? Uh, from whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? Well, from others, Peter said. Well, then the children are exempt. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line. This is a line instead of a net. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is like the wee wee fish now. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them to pay my taxes and yours. Yeah. Now this is this is it's a simple story. I mean, we really read through this, right? Because, like we do most miracles, because we just kind of zip through. Yeah, in the whole gospel, this is not this is a footnote. You know, this isn't yeah. him feeding the five thousand or the ten thousand. Yeah, it's just go get that fish that's got four yeah. drachma coin in it. Mouth. But if you really think about it, 
Either you could say that, you know, maybe God materialized the fish at that moment. Or maybe over the course of a week, this fish who had lived for maybe been carrying around you know, these co- this coin, yeah, or or ate it, and then you know the next hour or so or the next day gets hooked on Peter's line because Jesus told him to do it, and all of the crazy variables there. And he doesn't even have to gut the fish; the coin is it's in, in its, its mouth. mouth. Yeah, it didn't even swallow it. It's yeah. just been holding on. To he it. probably could even catch and release. <laughs> maybe he did. give me the coin. They probably ate it. Go back to your daddy. <laughs> they probably ate it. You think they ate the fish? Why not? Okay, anyway. He's a fisherman. I don't know how many throwbacks he does. So let me ask you, John. Mm-hmm. Do you believe this actually occurred? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what implications does that have for you? Like, what does that say about the world you're invited to live in? Well, and th- this is why it's a, it's a case study, because I believe all of these things happen. And so what I think that says is um, in the – so. I guess the analogy I want to use is not great. It's that it's that of insurance. I don't I don't like that. This tastes bad in my mouth. But um, that when I tithe, right when I when I give part of my money, and I would say I give it back to God, mm-hmm. um, that that is wise. And when I um, do something that that is contrary to a way that I could have made more money, but it honors God and it honors people, that is wise. And uh, it kind of it the the idea of self preservation looks different in that world because oh. it is wise to honor God even when it might not be if you're only looking even at when material. it looks foolish exactly or looks expensive exactly it is wise because God's looking out for you with tiny things like that all the time constantly okay so let's break this apart because I'm fascinated by this first of all we know that um, in the church world mm-hmm. well um, uh, among people who self-identify as Christians sure. yeah that they actually give a lower percentage of their income than non-Christians do but they would they would to charity or something right by yeah. 1% the american population averages 9% to charity christians average 6 i think it's it might be 7 and 6 but it's about a 1 percentage point difference interesting so uh so the average typical churchgoer is not in fact a tither 10% to God. A little asterisk which I find very interesting. America on a whole gives more to charity than almost any other country in on You're the right. planet. Yes. Which is really impressive. I'm proud of that as a It's kind of part of our culture. Yeah, most stats for America aren't that positive. So or yeah. you, the ones that that get famous aren't. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um so this tells us that what you just said that since I live in a world where Jesus could pay my taxes out of the mouth of a fish. Yeah. It is wise for me to honor him with the first fruits of the tithe, which he asked for. It's it's wise for me to do that. Yeah. And and yet most people don't do that. Right. So um, I'm interested in, you know, you went straight to um, because this fish story is true, then it behooves me to look out for the one to honor the one who's constantly looking out for me. Yeah, exactly. And that is even apart from my love for God or my, my, you know, presupposed oath or duty it just simple, if it's a good idea or not. And if you do believe that it's a good idea, you could do that selfishly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. It is the wisest self-preservation move is to honor and submit to the God who you believe is always looking out for you. Right. And there's a difference. There's a difference between, um, Reading that, and even if you have, if you know people who have experienced that, mm-hmm. and experiencing it yourself, and I have a short, a, a, you know, those lists get shorter and shorter. I have a very short list of, of the miraculous that I've witnessed. It's there, and I cherish those moments, and they they affirm me. Um, but I think that's different. I think that's one of the challenges is that you haven't 
if you haven't lived that, then it's probably a lot harder to really, um, the word I would use is internalize. You, you mm-hmm. know it, you haven't understood it, you haven't internalized it. You know that he does that, you have not lived him doing that. Okay, and, yeah. And growing up, you guys have told me many times, you and mom, uh, of times where you needed money because you didn't you were leading a church and you had all these kids and money showed up when you needed it and miraculously yeah there were times i went to the p.o box when we were starting a church from scratch Mm -hmm. and there would be checks in the mailbox from people or companies i've never heard of as offerings to the church yeah so i have participated in that but i think um you know you you jumped right past uh the whether or not this should make a difference in your life and you went you jumped all the way to this is why I'm uh, looking out for the one who looks out for me. Mm, sure. I, I want to go back to the beginning. Okay, let's say, let's let's start, let's build these blocks up together. I <laughs> jumped the gun a bit. Uh, no, I love it because it, it shows how much you really do believe this. Mm. But, uh, for, but, but let's walk that trail. So I, I read this story. Hey, uh, in fact, what's an, another part of the miraculous thing is Peter's having this conversation outside. When he walks oh. in the house, Jesus is the first to speak. And he asks him, hey, what do you think about paying taxes? He are, he heard the conversation supernaturally that's going on outside. And he knows what Peter's going to say. Already. Yeah. And that's cool. The sovereignty just gets bigger and bigger. And bigger. Right. Um, and so uh, he says, hey, go fishing, pull out this money. If you believe that really happened, what does that tell you that you could also believe? Um. Well, again, building blocks, that would say this Jesus guy is a little more than who he looks to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if he could do that, um, it, and it, that's not a full picture of God. That doesn't say anything about the love of God or it, it shows his, his power and sovereignty, I guess, his but, power, his sovereignty. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I think I'm, I'm missing a step here. What, do, what do you, what do you think? Well, I, I, would say? I, I think what I saw you jump to mm-hmm. is that means that Jesus already knows my needs and is on my side, which this particular story doesn't uh, tell. But because you already believe that in your faith system, right? we're really talking about if I believe that God is real, and if I believe that Jesus died to deliver me from my sin, and I believe that God does the supernatural, then why is it that I, what? Um, that I, I mean, just because we're talking about money, and I already mentioned tithe mm-hmm. and taxes. That why why aren't I tithing? Mm-hmm. And um, why am I afraid? Yeah, why? Yeah, exactly. why do I worry? Mm-hmm. Why aren't I uh, joyful in a general sense at, mm-hmm. at my mm-hmm. eternal destiny and, and and comfort? Yeah, yeah. So fear, that's actually that fear is is a huge huge one. Why am I laying awake at night worrying about a natural disaster if I if I believe that this is the case? And what's the answer to that question? Um. Well, it might be, like I said, uh, because you haven't witnessed this power. You've read about mm-hmm. it. You've heard about it from someone you trust, maybe. Yeah. You have not seen it. And, and in the West, that's pretty common for people to have not seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Even why, in the church. Why do you think that is? That's a. I have no idea for mm-hmm. that one. That's a big question. Would you say, if you had to spitball how many, how many times you uh, have uh, uh, been aware of the miraculous in some way. How, how many times would you say that's been real in your life? I don't know if I could give it a number, um, but I think if I were to try and describe it, cause it's almost like a, it's a snowball effect, right? So like uh, when um, 
a, 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 a community is doing well financially. They don't have a whole lot of uh, crises or needs. Mm-hmm. They're providing for themselves. Not Everyone's comfortable. Um, and then they uh, rely less immediately on God. And then they see less things. They have less faith. And because of the less faith, well, fewer miraculous things happen. Mm. And it kind of goes like that. Because you you do see... Um, you know, I don't, and I don't know who's controlling who who's recording these stats besides like the Catholic Church. But uh, you see more incidents of the miraculous in the the um, the cultures that have higher needs and and more mm. emergencies and you know the mission field, the front lines. The, yeah. Um, so I want to yeah. I want to keep us keep us on on task here to a more focused question. That is, um, so the the question is if Jesus puts the money in the fish's mouth to pay the taxes. Um, why am I afraid? And your first answer is because I don't see miracles all the time. It would be what, yeah. why somebody would, would still, in fact, be afraid. Or I guess the short answer is because I don't really believe that. Or I, or I don't. Um... You use the example of uh, natural disasters. Yeah. Why, why would I live in fear of natural disasters when I have a Jesus who could put the coins in the fish's mouth? Mm-hmm. And the answer is because there are natural disasters and people die in them. Yeah. And so uh, this is where faith gets complicated. I live in a world that includes the miraculous, but does not preclude the disastrous. Yeah. And you use that when we were actually spitballing this idea, use the analogy of gravity. I believe in gravity, but I don't believe that if I drop this thing, it will fall. And the, the tricky part there is, um, is that people who believe in uh, God and love God have died in natural disasters. Right, know? right. Yeah. And so what? So that means we've got to believe a bigger thing. So the fish is a small thing. This tax, this is a very specific situation with a very specific miracle. Uh, so that means we need to believe that, that God does do specific miracles in specific times. And we also need to believe a little bit bigger thing about God, hmm. that he is inherently good, that sure. he, that he, um, that what he does with our lives uh, when we die is actually a powerfully, beautifully, redemptive, awesome thing so that even when we lose, we win. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So there's a, so I think the the essence of the question we're asking is, if I believe in a miraculous Jesus, why don't I expect the miraculous Jesus to engage in my life? Yeah. And I think specifically on the fear angle, right, on the natural disasters and the, the anxiety and the worry, um, I think maybe part of that is, the where your treasures are thing. So say you mm. you believe completely that regardless of not and not that a disaster won't happen and that you won't even be safe potentially, but that if you die, God will use that death in the best way possible. You'll end up in his presence more or less right away, depending on what your theology is. That doesn't quite matter in this situation. Um, and And so if your heart is there, that's a good thing and you don't need to worry. And if your heart is on the earth, even if you believe in God, you... You know, you fear death maybe more. You fear for, uh, what if my stuff gets broken in this mm-hmm. in an earthquake? You know, so so, so does that make sense? You yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a layer, maybe a stack of beliefs that are exposed here in the yeah. way we live. So, um, when I'm out of money and my taxes are due, right? Do I believe Jesus can, in fact, provide for me miraculously? And that's a that's a trade for trade with that story. I need money for my taxes. 
do I believe God can, in fact, provide those? Mm-hmm. Or am I wringing my hands, looking for somewhere to borrow money? You know, I'm going to solve this problem on my own, or I'm just going to, you know, get in the fetal position and rock back and forth uh, because I don't trust God. Sure. And, and the question is, if you if you if you believe in a supernatural God, why is it you don't believe for that? So yeah. that'd be one layer. Another layer would be, well, I'm afraid he's not going to give me what I want. And I really want this stuff. I want abundance and I want toys and I want physical health and I want fun. And so uh, the reason I'm nervous about natural disasters is maybe he's not going to give me what I want. Right. And with that same, with that same uh, treasure parable is, you know, uh, your treasure on earth where the, uh, where the thief can steal it, the moth can eat it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and heaven, nothing can touch it. And there's no fear there then because what you want is uh, untouchable. So if I have, 10 marbles in my hand right and i live in a world where people want marbles and they might want to <laughs> sure. take mine i i fear of losing yeah. my marbles <laughs> <laughs> and a world where people want marbles is like what the one that that game where you shoot them in the yeah, string? shooter game the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but if if i live in a world with 10 marbles in a one marble world and i have an abundance of marbles and people want marbles if my treasure is not these marbles but my treasury is god and his kingdom and his great love yeah then i don't worry about the marbles yeah that's what you're saying there. Yeah, that is what in that specific in the in the example of fear. Yeah. yeah. I I think a question that's emerging in my mind is the this historical question, the question that our founding fathers asked, our founding founding parents. Hmm. Does God have my best interest at heart? Gotcha. You know, they get they're in the garden and he says don't eat the fruit. And then the serpent comes says, did he really say don't eat the fruit? Yeah, he says if we even touch it we'll die. Oh, you're not going to die. If you eat that fruit, you're going to become like God. And so uh, that they, they bit the lie that God's holding out on you. Yeah. And I think we still wrestle with that fear that God's holding out on me yeah. or that I can't trust him so blindly that he has my best interest in heart. Sure. Especially if I'm living for the marbles. <laughs> if I'm living for the right. marbles, God might not care about the marbles. Yeah. And it's. We should note that it, you know it wasn't that fish were coming out all over with coins, with coins in their mouths. Right? Yeah, there were probably instances where they needed money, and there was no fish that time, mm-hmm. but, but they were taken care of. And I think that is a release of control to where um, how God might do it exactly, mm-hmm. exactly that you do believe He has your interest in mind in ways that you don't even compre- comprehend or, or even know that you need, you know, and He knows better than you in the first place which is really awesome if you can start to think about that and all the different ways god could in fact meet your need right he might put a coin in a fish's mouth he might make a 95 year old woman who's past menopause pregnant he might you know he might uh, raise the dead he might bring water from a rock Mm -hmm. who knows what he would do there's a million ways he could meet your need yeah. And instead of resting in that reality that I have a God who has limitless power and limitless capacity, I'm worried sick because I really don't believe. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me of the um, one of the many times that Jesus and his apostles before he, he uh, was crucified, they're sailing and uh, it's getting mm-hmm. they're taking on water from the wind mm-hmm. and the, in the waves and Jesus is asleep. And they wake him up, and he and he rebukes the wind, and he says, "What are you guys freaking out about?" Well, and these are professional fishermen, yeah. And they said, "Do you not care that we're going to die?" Yeah. They are convinced they're about to die. Yeah, and they've they they would they know. would know. Yeah. Um. And but say they hadn't woken him up, 
what was going to happen? Like, like what the, if if they had all remained calm and had faith that they were going to be fine? Mm-hmm. You well, know, what does that reality look like? When you stand outside somebody else's story, it's easy for you to look at their story and go, what in the world are you afraid of? Sure. Because I'm asking myself when I read that story, do they really think God is going to let Jesus die in a flood, in a drowning? You know, <laughs> right. are they going to, does they really think God's going to let the Messiah drown? Mm-hmm. That ain't going to happen. And if they had known what we know, they might not have. Exactly. That, and, but, and they don't. And yeah. we don't know what we know when we're in the thick of it either. Right. Right. And so we always know it in hindsight. You know, you really discern how God provided for you, typically in hindsight, almost never in foresight. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, 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 we're not saying it's not normal to panic. Sure. Or feel fear. or Right. Yeah. But we have to address our fear with our faith. And so the inherent question of today's episode is, if you believe Jesus can pay taxes with somebody's fish, why wouldn't you believe that he can blank, whatever it is you're staring at? And we want to challenge our belief system because, and I'm talking about you and me challenging our belief system because we do still feel fear occasionally. Yeah. And we still do wonder if God is going to come through for us. Well, and that beauty is that is the smallest miracle. Like, oh know, yeah, it's he, a tiny I, one. Yeah, I believe that, that you know that he touched a man whose legs didn't work, and he got up and walked away. He closed the wounds on leper skins as a regular occurrence for three years. You know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. It's, yeah. So it's it it really is just. Um, and this is amazing. the hard part. Sometimes God wants you to believe something after it already died. Lazarus is in the tomb for four days. He's been dead four days. Yeah. And Jesus shows up four days late and they, they cry out to him. If you had only been here, he wouldn't have died. It not, does not occur to them. You can still make him alive. Right. Cause it wouldn't occur to me either. Which is interesting because normally Jesus does miracles based on their faith. And this would be an exception to that. Right. Guess, he but. is just demonstrating the Messiahship of Jesus, I think. But, but the thing is, that challenges me that when the dream I had died, mm-hmm. that there's still a window of time that God could say, oh, no, it, it's it's only mostly dead. <laughs> or <laughs> Abraham and, and Sarah, you know, yeah. years and years. And, yeah. years. and he's like, you waited too long, God. I'm, I'm 90. Right. You know. Right. And I think yeah. God waited till she went through menopause so that they would have their minds blown and yeah. they would never wonder, was that really God or was that just biology? Yeah. You know, maybe our bodies just started working <laughs> right. and, and God, there was no other right possible now. Option. Every possible solution is gone. That's when the people of God, really, if we know the God, we say we know that's actually when we should be at the most excited. Yeah. I'm now to the point where there's no explanation for this working than Jesus. Hmm. And that might be exactly where he wants me. And there, if there could be a little hope in our heart, that that's the case. But we, you know, when, when even somebody would say, well, hey, God could still fix that, we sound like Mary. Well, Lord, by now he stinketh. You know, this <laughs> he's been in the ground a long time. Yeah. this It's too late. Yeah. And yet God says it's never too late. Yeah. It's an amazing thing if we could just get our heart around that. And I want to, let's, uh, let's quick take our little break. And when we come back, let's talk about practical ways, a little more hands-on ways where you could, you know, build get your yourself faith there. Or, yeah. yeah. You know, I believe help my unbelief. How to, how to, how to get there. Sounds good. Okay. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs. 
have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. Okay, thanks a bunch. Now, John, um, you actually have, uh, t- correct me if I'm wrong. Sure. Your, your faith has grown. You believe yeah. more from God than you used to. Yeah. Why? Um, when we say, well, how do I grow my faith? Tell right. me how yours grew. How did it, how did it grow where you, you actually believe maybe expect that the miraculous is possible more than you used to. Yeah. Why? Um, a big part of that is just, uh, uh, knowing God, right? So I've, I've believed this mm-hmm. quote unquote mm-hmm. for literally as long as I can remember. I, I can't remember a time before that. Um, but, uh, that doesn't mean that I was seeking God or that I mm-hmm. lived in a way where you would assume that I believed that or, you know, however. So, uh, uh, knowing more and getting more intimate with God mm-hmm. um, does a few things for me. One of which is changes that, like I said, that that whole treasure thing is. I've I've been there where when I am further from God and I'm concerned completely on of my own desires and the, and my stuff and and um, just a, afraid. Uh, that's because that's where my heart is. And then as you get to know God and and His, you know, it, and and twofold as He pulls you closer to Him as you chase Him. Uh, your treasures change and you don't need to be afraid anymore because the things that you really value now cannot be destroyed. It's kind of like a worst case scenario. You start asking yourself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Worst case scenario. I'm in the, you know, I'm I'm in the, the I'm in the arms of Jesus. And even, even, um, in, in things that are not life and death, you still know, Hey, this could get hard. Yeah. But the, the, the worst thing that can happen for me is that Jesus comes through for me in some way. Right. And so that's, that's the fear part. And for, for witnessing the miraculous, again, I still have a short list of those instances, but we have a, a, a really, really great friend, one of my great friends from high school. And, uh, um, he had this recurring medical condition for, I believe oh, multiple years. Yeah. Almost his whole life. Yeah. And it was getting really, really bad. And where he uh, hadn't had a good night sleeping forever. Yeah. And, uh, just really ruining his life. And, 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 really high stakes it could have it was it was guaranteed to cause cancer if not corrected mm-hmm. they couldn't correct it because of the nature of the thing it was it was very scary yeah uh and in in this uh uh amazing um night um he was cured and he's still cured that was months ago now yeah and uh it's funny how uh we men of faith and power continue to ask him you're still cured right i know i get <laughs> every now and again got to check up um but really really an amazing night and um and it's it shouldn't you know you shouldn't in a vacuum. I would like to say you shouldn't need that, but it doesn't hurt. You know, we're, we're creatures of, of, you know, seeing is believing. Well, even people who had seen Jesus do miracles continue to say to him, well, show us a miracle and we'll believe. Right. And they'd already seen some. Yeah. And he says, you won't believe. He said, even if I raised from the dead, you wouldn't believe, which is kind of saying, I'm going to do the biggest, biggest, baddest miracle you ever could conceive. Yeah. And and a few of them didn't, a few of them still doubted. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so that helps. But even before that, but when when my list of witnessed miracles was empty, was blank, uh, I was raised on stories from you and mom about God providing for you, specifically financially. You, mm-hmm. you guys didn't always divulge salacious, you know, um, I don't know, crazy, crazy stuff. If you've seen it, it was, but but it was stuff of stories that where God had provided for you, mm-hmm. and it kind of instilled it in me from a young age. This is how the world works, right? Um, so. That didn't hurt. Maybe uh, that's what we're trying to ho- get people to uh, maybe consider is that the world works differently than it looks like it does because mm-hmm. there is the X factor. There is the Jesus factor. We serve a God of the miraculous. And so, you know, we kind of wanted to talk about how do we make our faith grow? And one of those is by meeting people, seeing miracles that that obviously builds uh, our faith. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned that your heart, as you get closer to God, your heart starts to actually believe in God more. Yeah. And so you have this bigger sense of security uh, yeah. in the relationship. Well, we're very adaptable things, you know. I and I didn't always know the power of this, but when you uh, when you're like, say, you're just on in I don't know on the internet a lot, or 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 you're surrounded by people who don't believe this, mm-hmm. it really can affect you for a long time. It, it, without without a sort of anchor, or without your own personal time in the scripture, you you start to forget. Yeah. Or or things seem more ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, over time, and so. And if your pain is really high, like yeah. I know in times if you're fighting a real sickness, it can be tough to believe. You just get so discouraged and worn down totally by the sickness that you you really wonder, is healing even possible? Yeah. That's tough. I think I was thinking about the notion of what you look at determines a lot about how you feel and what you believe. 100%. And if you're staring at the negativity and the bad news, uh, you will feel and believe one way. And if you're staring at the supernatural God and you're staring at his presence and power and you're staring at his great love for us, your heart starts to believe something different. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're driving your vehicle, if you look off to the left daydreaming, you're going to the car moves to the right. right. And if you look to the right, it moves to the right. We kind of move in the direction of our dominant thoughts. God made us that way. And so if you focus your thoughts in the right place, it actually can build your faith. Whereas if you focus it in a negative place, it can suck the life out of your faith. Yeah. I think that's huge. I think, and I think that can sometimes be under, under uh, valued as a, as how exactly susceptible we are to that. Yeah. yeah. Whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're probably, you're probably right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. So, um, when I think of other ways that I could grow my faith, my, uh, my propensity to believe, um, that, that God could come through for me. I think that um, the uh, a big factor you mentioned, you know, being in the presence of God, watching God do something in people's lives. I think another thing that I have done is look back over my life and and look at all the uh, the things that just so happened. Sure. <laughs> uh, people <laughs> have said that God loves to hire to hide the miraculous in the coincidental, and we think of coincidences. You know, I I coincidentally. Um, uh, went to evangel to go to college where my where sue coincidentally chose to go and we we meet right and we have this life because of mm-hmm. these coincidences and you can you can look at lots of those uh and when you take a part of your life and you think of all the decisions and all the little trails that got you there and if you change one of those trails the outcome's completely different yeah and you trust the sovereignty on those. That's why it is so much easier to see God's participation in hindsight. Yeah. So I think one of the ways you grow your faith is to sit down and think about the past and look for the trail of where God was involved and you didn't even know it. 
and then you'll see his his provision you know oh you you could say i forgot that i'd paid this bill and i paid too much and then i got this check right when i needed it and you say well that's a coincidence right you know it it actually could be the the behavior of god yeah you also don't know how many times god saved you from something you didn't even know was coming how many times you forgot something and you had to go back and get it at the house and there was a car accident on the intersection you would totally. have been at if you had been on time. Yeah, you know, things or like that. Running late for your ticket and then, you know, that plane is in some you know Right. That lots of stories then. Yeah. I think another one of my hypotheses, if you care. I do. I like this one a lot. Uh the the star that appeared to the shepherds that led them to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Uh it wasn't there and then it was there. And so either God just kind of made this light in the sky for them or however I like to think that he created a star, and depending on how long, how far its distance was from Earth, it would have taken X amount of time for them to even see that light, and mm-hmm. he knew that they would need to see it then, so he created the star then, and right when they needed to see it, the light reached wow. Earth because of how far away it was. That's how stars work. I don't know if that's how the miracle worked. Yeah, but, I guess the light we see from the sun uh, left the sun eight minutes ago. Right, yeah. yeah. So however far away the star was, which would have to be very far because yeah. out of our solar system. Anyway. That kind of stuff. That's interesting. Chills, yeah. So whether he knows ex- to to the second when the stuff is needed. when he needs that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, man, I I uh, I so uh, identify with being forgetful of how powerful and awesome God is. Hmm. And um, there will be times when I'm just discouraged. And I think that what I'm doing in my life doesn't make any difference at all. And then I'll meet someone who starts telling me something that God's doing in their life. And I'll just be blown away. And it's like, yes, God is on the job. He still can be trusted. He's He hasn't forgotten us. And it's really helpful. So I think um, one last thing I would say is opening your mouth and talking about the Lord sure. is really a, yeah, a powerful thing. And a lot of us don't do that. We feel embarrassed to or or, you know, we think the other person might not be interested in just sharing what God is doing in your life or mm-hmm. sharing what scripture you read this day that, that spoke to you or whatever. I think I think you cannot under uh, overestimate how powerful that is in our lives. Yeah, definitely. All right. You got any uh, big takeaway from today's conversation, John? Um, well, I, and again, all my takeaways come at the very end. That's huge because even after this one conversation, I'm, I'm jazzed. You're I'm, encouraged. I'm encouraged. Uh, and I think that is, is really huge. I had a friend, uh, who was, uh, he lived here for a bit and then, uh, uh moved him and his wife were kind of, uh, they move a lot. They're, they're very adventurous people. They're great. Uh, I love them. And, uh, anyway, he was having a really, really hard time, uh, just with, um, discouragement, discouragement and specifically with, uh, how the system of justice with God works and how it, it seemed unfair to him, you know? creating people who he knows are eventually going to go to hell, you know? Oh, so he was struggling with these big questions with the righteousness of God. Yeah. 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 And if God could even be trusted, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I've got, you know, I'm like Moses where it's like, it's like, like I can't talk good, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) And, uh, and just from conversations with, with, you know, between the two of us, it, it really, uh, it really turned him around and it, and it, it helped him a lot. And that was, I believe that was just the power of our fellowship. You know, that wasn't anything wasn't anything I did. It's a powerful thing yeah. not, to, not to do life alone. Yeah. I think my takeaway is I keep coming back to these three things that I believe, and I kind of gauge the health of my faith all the time by asking myself these three things, you know, mm-hmm. that, that true uh, followers of Jesus should be absurdly happy. They should be completely fearless, 
and they should be constantly in trouble. Hmm. And so when I'm in life and I'm not absurdly happy and I'm frustrated and discouraged, I'll ask myself, why? <laughs> why am I so discouraged? Because yeah. I, I have a supernatural God who can intervene at any moment. Totally. Why am I so discouraged? When my dad died, his good friend Jojo, you told uh, him about that. Yeah, he he's he he was at the hospital with us when Dad died, and he told me uh, a year later we're playing golf, and he said, "You know, the day I walked out of the hospital when your dad died, I got in the car and I told my wife, I'm never again going to have a bad day, because he realized how short and precious life can be." Mm-hmm. I said, "How long did it last?" He said, two weeks." <laughs> uh, and that's what happens to our faith. You know, we get excited, we get inspired, yeah. and then two weeks later. It's like it never happened or we or we forgot everything. Yeah. And that's not abnormal. So um, when that happens, remind yourself, I should be absurdly happy. My sin has been forgiven. It's been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. I am accounted as not guilty before God. Yeah. Uh, I cannot fact, even count with the righteousness of Jesus. With Jesus righteousness God. has been accredited to me. And so now I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places and I am I am anchored and rooted in his love and how wide and high and deep and and long is the love of Christ and nothing can separate me from that love. I mean, you can remind yourself I should be grateful and full of joy. Yeah. And then um fearless. Why am I afraid? My God can impregnate a, a post uh uh, whatever that's menopausal menopausal yeah. woman my god can put money in a fish if i need it why am i afraid and then to not be surprised when i'm in trouble because i think believers should constantly be in trouble pushing the edge of culture when we contend with it we're not going to be popular we're going to suffer with jesus so that shouldn't surprise us and i think he he takes us into places of trouble so that we can represent the power and presence of jesus in that trouble totally. so Anyway, those are those are the things that I I, I try to just keep uh, bringing me back center with. I think that's really powerful. I think it's great. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for listening, uh, John. Won't you do the what? What's our website? Instagram? Yeah, uh, our website is uh, uh, jimandjohn.com. No H in the John, and any of our stuff is just J O N. Full name is Jonathan. If you're curious, that's why that is. <laughs> I'd, I've had three baristas in all my life ask with an H or no H. Normally, they just put an H in there. Yeah, that's true. It makes my day every single time. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, com, uh, patreon.com slash jimandjohn. Uh, our Instagram mm-hmm. is jimandjohn. That's just kind of the thing. So if, yeah. you, if you're looking to find out more about us, website's a good place to start. But if you're uh, on Instagram, we're on there. Also, we've started you doing... That, uh, you can see the really cute dog that we, just, that we posted. Oh, yeah. You got yeah. to see Patches. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Uh, also, we are uh, hosting a video uh, segment for evergreen called t minus seven truth in less than seven minutes mm-hmm. and you can find that on youtube on evergreen christian communities youtube channel and you can find us there as well awesome thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week this is the last test the my last. hand to the almighty Oh, wow. The last test. Never do that. I know. Let your yes, yes be yes yeah, and your you no know, be no. Know. I know, I know. Wake me up when this sound test is over. I need you oh. to actually say stuff. I'm saying stuff. <laughs> now I'm saying wake me up when it's over. <laughs>